Thursday at noon, this is WHBK 88.5, so you are here with Ergo Radio trying to find some beauty in this sad, sad world. I'm Kiss, this is Damon, we're very excited to be back on the radio, we got the, we got the whole team back yeah, in place. Yeah, I'm back in business. How was the beach? Uh, Sandy. <laughs> sandy. Did you get sand in your food? That's what the, my problem with the beach. No, is I, I ate my food far away, but yo, y'all, uh, empanadas is my move. That's all I got to Alright, you can... You can, if you can, if you have empanadas, you can send them up to the studio Thursdays at noon. We will gladly accept them. Um, as you know, or maybe you don't know, what we do here: strong young voices from Chicago and beyond, different artists, writers, organizers, activists, poets, cool people doing amazing things, reshaping the culture of our city for the more equitable and the better and the more creative. Um, and we have a very special guest here this week. But first, we got a, a couple things we want to do. Yeah, uh, you know, we always do community announcements. So first, I know Party Noir is happening this Saturday. Uh, you know of anything else? Going yeah, on? so on that Party Noir uh, line, so they're hosting the show Friday night, actually, at the Promontory also, which is King, which is going to be great. Um, first night I ever worked up there was a King show, and they're uh, a wonderful group. And then, yeah, come through Saturday. I will be working that as well. I'll be at the front door, so come by, say hi, um, and uh, let me take your money when I give you a ticket. Um, also, Ergo alum uh, Ricky Gamboa's show uh, Space Age opens on Monday at Free Street Theater. So make sure you can find that on Facebook. Check that out. Or uh, his, he, I guess he doesn't really tweet, so just check his Facebook. Um, yeah, that was uh, that was all I had on the community announcements. Yeah, and so, you know, this is, uh, we, we, we're about community here. So, you know, in the national community, that was a, another horrible tragedy that has become public spectacle. And we have, many of us now have seen uh, the death and execution of, of Alden Sterling. So we just wanted to, one, let you know that uh, we love you out there and that life is precious. Uh, and, and two, uh, I, I hope we implore that like this can be uh, a continuing of like an eye-opening experience and that we don't just stop at the pain and anger of like the tragedy of, of destruction of human life, uh, but also look at our world and our society um, and how we all collectively like participate um, in, in, a, in a system that allows people to be destroyed and killed in the street for, for doing nothing um, and, and, and what power we can take. To, to make a better world. Uh, so we want to just, you know, take a few moments uh, and have a moment of silence for the, for the, for the loss because there have been many police killings this week and many others who have died um, to violence in this country. So we're going to take a moment of silence and play a little Nina Simone. For, uh, so this is for Alton Sterling, Philando Castile in Minnesota. And I also just, I've been thinking a lot the past week, there's been all these, you know, bombings and attacks outside of this country. And I think it's important to connect those dots too. Um, so... For, for the pain and the loss, a moment. And all that have died on the south side of Chicago. Broken windows in empty hallways A pale dead moon in a sky streaked with gray Human kindness is overflowing And I think it's gonna rain today Scarecrows dressed in the latest styles With frozen faces to keep love away Human kindness is overflowing And I think it's gonna rain today
I'll kick it down the street Tin can at my feet I think I'll kick it down the street Why not? That's the way to treat a friend Right before me The signs implore me Help the needy and show them a way Welcome back to Ergo here on WHBK, ergoradio.com. That was Nina Simone with I Think It's Gonna Rain Today. We've we've played it before on the show, but it stays being on days like this, the, the music that I turn to. So since we get to be on the radio, I figured we'd share it. Anyway, we, uh, as always, have a very special guest here in the studio. Uh, Dave, you want to do an intro? I'm going to put you on the spot oh, here. Oh, man, I'm excited. <laughs> Just... You know, I like to do like non-bio intros. So like just a... As seen on Comic View. <laughs> <laughs> but just like one of the, in the city of Chicago, like one of the, the sweetest spirits and like uh, greatest energies and most positive people. And also like a very reckless dancer uh, <laughs> as seen in Grinnell, Iowa on the road. Oh, uh, I'm super excited to have them here. Everybody make some noise. We have you off a pigeon. Hey. Blah, blah. Also, like the coolest name. Yeah. How you feeling? How's the world treating you? How are you treating it on this day? Um, I woke up just thinking about stuff, like the police stuff that's been going on. Um, and actually, Rick Wilson, my best friend, he's always at my house in the mornings now, and it kind of scared me the first few days because I don't. He's like Roger. I tell him go home a lot, but he's always there. <laughs> but um. I'm used to it now, so he I knew he's a very Roger S <laughs> thing about him. <laughs> so like, I'm used to him being there, but every night I go to bed and I read another shooting about another shooting, or I see another Facebook. Now this is new, a Facebook Live video, and I'm always wondering like, how is Rick gonna be doing? And I woke up and Rick was bringing joy to Twitter about Serena Williams whooping some white girl's butt on the court today. And he's going through my kitchen like, she did it in 48 minutes and she didn't even break a sweat. And he's like impersonating her. So that's that's kind of how I am, just bouncing back and forth between the anger and the sadness and then like the joy that people in Chicago and this community that we're all a part of are constantly lifting up, which I think is so important. Yeah, I mean, to that point, it's part of why, and we'll get into, you know, everything you do in a, in, a, in a second, but it's one of the reasons why I think I'm really glad to have you be the person who's here on the show, because I, I think of you as having like the warmest smile in the city that I know, you know? Didn't so, you tell Rach Jackson that? No. <laughs> <laughs> she has, I told her she has the second warmest smile. Oh. <laughs> Shout out to Rach. Oh, oh man, ergo, inter, inter, <laughs> Um, maybe I said, I think I said like brightest smile. Oh, okay, okay. Yours is the warm, it's, and it is, there's a subtle difference there. Thank you for calling me out though and keeping me accountable on my compliments. I'm not even sure. But... Uh, <laughs> no, but I, I, I'm, I do think like this is when, this is when it's good to, you know, have the folks to turn to for that smile, you know? And so I'm, one, I'm just really happy to have you here. Um, 
and two, you know, to kind of jump into, you know, who you are and what you do. I've been thinking a lot about like the terms that we all use and like the words that we take for granted that everyone has a shared understanding what they mean mm -hmm. and how often we don't all speak. Like we're not saying the same thing when we say the same words. Um, and I know we, we've had a lot of people who identify as activists up here. And I know that that rings true for you. For you, what? how do you define that term and what you do? Um, I honestly, I think because of, I mean, I was diagnosed with ADD recently, the past few years, but I honestly don't think I have ADD. So anyways, um, I think because of that, though, if I do have any elements of ADD, I don't like to do just one thing. And I was thinking like in the shower today, how I, I've never done just one thing. And I think that comes from my family. They're never like just doing one thing. And so I do a little bit of activism for intersex and I do it in different ways. Um, whether it's like making t-shirts that kind of flip a narrative or art or I'm giving interviews or um, doing online like social media campaigns or like future actions and actions. Or, and I also do like photography for Rick Wilson. Like, that's, yeah. like you know, so I'm always doing different things. And, um, and uh, oh, I write, I write for a blog now called Everyday Feminism. And I walk my dog and <laughs> I, I do wedding photography sometimes. Like I do, I can't just do one thing. So I think that's all part of my activism because if I did, I would burn out way quicker if I mm -hmm. only did some of that, all the activism only. Cause yeah. like, it's just too, it's too much out there. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 like, I don't even have a question. Cause I, I just was like relating to that feeling. Right. One, doing too much. And two, that like, uh, that burnout fear, f fear, and that like that that heaviness or that too much, um, but but I want to like you gave us a lot of information. I kind of want to dig in. So, oh, sure. so you say you know a lot of your work comes through intersex. So I would love uh, for us to just you know get some background on what that means and, and kind of tell the people who have not encountered it. For sure. Um, so I was born intersex, which is a biological variation in human beings that happens in one in two thousand births on the high end of the spectrum, and some say as low as 0.5%, 0.05% of the human population to 1.7%. And that boils down to about the amount of redheads that are naturally born. Mm. And that just gives you a little bit of the occurrence. And what it means is, is people who are born like me with a variation between male and female sex traits. And those sex traits can go between your reproductive organs on the inside, so your testes or ovaries or uterus or um, whatever else you guys have inside of you, I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> and then there's the external sex traits, so the, like the genitalia that we most often think of associated with intersex people or, or just whatever. And then there's like the third thing, which is um, your chromosomes, the things you can't see. So there's just people that are intersex have non-typical male or female sex traits. And that's really all it boils down to. And it's 90% of the time not health related. There's no emerg emergencies medical wise. It's it's a what's been said as a social emergency and the people around us when we're born, they kind of can't understand us. And through ignorance and fear and somewhat hatred, um, they do these, they rush in and force our parents to do these surgeries that are quote unquote corrective mm -hmm. to make our bodies fit into either male or female. Um, sex trait categories, um, thinking that it's going to help us in the long run. That's at least what they say. But they end up being very um, damaging to people's, not just their bodies, but their souls and their mm. their minds and their well-being too. Yeah. Um, so, so, so like, I'm, I'm, I'm very curious to like learn when that came from experience to like work or, or active public mm -hmm. work because I, I would love to hear your perspective on as like, Kind of just like the mainstream population is starting to have a, a, a increase in consciousness around gender, mm -hmm. and people are starting to un understand more of like non-binary identities and, and lifestyle, especially as like the trans conversation is becoming part of like the mainstream discourse now. How that has changed mm -hmm. your your like your your outreach at least? Yeah, it's helped a lot, um, and it also is confusing sometimes because mm -hmm. I think people because it's a definitely a new element. It's out, yeah. it's even outside of that box that is like supposed to be stretching the box. It is, yeah. <laughs> it is, and it's it's also it's like this whole it's like whoa wait I just got my mind around trans or I just right. got my mind around um, certain gender elements like, and now you're trying to tell me sex is not on a binary as well. Like okay, I could kind of get the gender thing, but the sex no like. 
telling me like you're tripping and I'm like no it's real like um, trust me on this one, right trust me <laughs> I got a whole history of medical records I could show you um so I think it really helps but at the same time um it I think it's it's our job as intersex activists and people and then my friends to spread the message that it's also different and we have a whole set of different elements that are inherent to our bodies but also to our struggles so our struggle, say for trans folks, they struggle to get surgery sometimes, gender-affirming surgeries. Mm-hmm. In the past and, and still today, you have to jump through these hoops and say you're mentally uh, unfit or not mentally unfit, gender dysphoria syndrome. You have to be labeled with a, a, a disease, a, a disease disorder, from the yeah. DSM-5, the diet something, I forgot what that stands for. Um, and then for intersex people, our fight is to not have those surgeries, right. which is interesting because if you go back to the 50s when this doctor named John Money from Johns Hopkins in I'm Baltimore. I'm sorry, his John. name is John Money? Yeah. Is he oh. evil? Yes, he Okay. Is. <laughs> it sounds like a, a, He's a very, he, he, uh, he looked like Mr. Monopoly, correct? <laughs> he, <laughs> he did. He had a monocle. <laughs> he did. Um, yeah, you can look him up on YouTube. He's very, like, cold-hearted, cold We're going to tweet a picture right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not joking. <laughs> <laughs> you could, okay. So, um, yeah, so John Money out of Baltimore and the Johns Hopkins, actually from New Zealand, um, but studied there, said these intersex kids cannot grow up with a gender that does not match their genitalia. That is just uncalled for. It is traumatic for them. So, we must intervene and do these surgeries to match their genitals with their gender that I assigned to them. And so these surgeries went very quiet in the 50s and 60s and 70s. Not many people knew about them because they told the parents, move out of town, change your kid's name, delete their picture, not delete them back then, throw <laughs> the pictures away, wow. burn them, change their names from the baby books or like scratch it out. I've known people that have seen their names whited out their original birth certificates and stuff, and then their their other name put on there because the doctor said this is the best course of action and no one in this country generally questions doctors. Mm. Just like a lot of people, especially white people, don't like to question the police or the judicial system. So anyways, they took that for granted back then. And moving to, to the 90s, things are starting to change. These kids have grown up and they, they have a voice. They're adults right, and they're right. saying what you did to me was wrong. And then you tie this to the trans struggle. They're trying to fight for those same surgeries that were actually engineered and crafted for our bodies back wow. in the 50s. Wow. And that's true. Like you, you should be able to desire those surgeries and get them if you want, but you also should not be able to have to have them forced upon you as an infant mm. or as a young child, which is even almost worse sometimes because you, you remember the surgeries more. Um, so that that was I don't know how I got there. You said yeah, about nah, experience. Nah, yeah, nah, I mean th- th- that was just the context. Uh, I mean I'm learning. So right. So, so oh yeah, you were really, talking about how it's yeah yeah. It's just really that's just really yeah. dense because as I'm I'm thinking about it, I guess the the two like curiosities I have is first what now that I'm learning more of the distinction of the two struggles, where are the the, the solidarities mm-hmm. or the intersections? Um, because if it's kind of the same landscape that you're fighting on from different ends of, yeah. for lack of a better word, spectrum. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like, how does that, that how, how does that align? Everyone take a drink when we hear the word spectrum today. <laughs> <laughs> binary. Yes. Like, how, how does that align and how does that break apart? And then also what, what I'm, I'm hearing and learning is that um, a lot of the fight sounds to be in the medical field in the way that a lot of um, fights against institutional racism is in the, the judicial or, 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 you know, in the courts. Yeah. Um, so I also want to hear a little bit about like the social aspect and the day to day, like the personal life and not just like the history of the doctors and True. of the policies. And, you know. Yeah. I mean, to that point, I think like you mentioned all those different kinds of ag- activism up top. I think one of them is just like, I know you've done it a bunch, but telling your story and, you know, you kind of got part of the way there. But can you just My story, to give yeah. that kind of personal? To, yeah, um, that was not a sentence. I just <laughs> That was cute. That was cute. <laughs> um, so I was born over here in Chicago on a bunch of different streets, but I mostly grew up <laughs> on Austin and like Austin and diversity intersection. Mm-hmm. And then um, we bounced back and forth. And then I went to Elmwood Park which is like next to Oak Park and next to the city. And then I moved out of Chicago Park again, back to Chicago when I went to school for college. Um, actually, funny story. I Googled, I didn't know how to, no one in my family went to college. So I Googled Chicago University when I was in high school. And this school came up, University of Chicago, because mm-hmm. it's in the right. title. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, okay. So I went here, my first tour of a school. And my mom drove me. I remember going down Lake Street and I was like taking pictures of the train above me. And um, I had a little Sony point and shoot, I remember. And um, 
we go on tour here and these kids are like, I have a 36. I don't know if I could get in. I have an ACT 36. <laughs> and they're like, I'm like 36. That's like the top I think you can get. And then they're like, we shut down the football team here to focus on education. I'm like, what the fuck? I don't <laughs> what is this? Place? And, um, and, um, yeah. and I was like, oh, I'm obviously not getting into this school. So anyways, that was, it was interesting. My first time, yeah. my first college perception was this and it looks like an Ivy League school and it's exactly what I thought college was like. And um, I think that they grew Ivy here specifically so that people would think like the everything is covered with physical ivy. yeah i was point. asking for direction like by the ivy they're like yeah by the ivy and i was like oh wait that's everywhere <laughs> so anyways um i grew up in chicago and i think what's interesting is that um i grew up with a lot of internalized self-hatred that came without even knowing that i was intersex but i could kind of tell that everyone around me had something wrong with my body meaning like the doctors and then and then like Mostly the doctors, right? Because I had to go to the doctor all the time and they had to pull down my pants all the time and lift up my shirt all the time and touch me in really weird places that little kids shouldn't be touched by doctors. Mm. And I think without them even telling me I was intersex, they said, they lied to me, by the way. Yeah, they do this lie to kids that are intersex a lot and they say, you were born with cancer. So I was, what? my story was that I was born with ovarian cancer. And so I grew up thinking I was a cancer survivor. So I told every year in school, like, what's one good thing about you? And I was like, I was born with cancer. I survived. I'm a miracle. Oh, and wow. um, that's really like what I thought because that's so what they, my family told me. So they were telling me. you that you were uh, had cancer as a and baby. And they saved my life. Why they oh. removed, removed my ovaries, which I wasn't even born with ovaries. I later found out when I was 18, I was born with test, internal testes that didn't descend. They were uh, whatever. And they took them out to make mm. me line up with their gender that they put on me, which was female. I forgot okay. to say that. They, they assigned me female at birth. So... I had to get all these, these uh, checkups because they wanted to follow up on their first, they did two surgeries on me before I was four in Chicago at Chicago Memorial, uh, Children's Memorial Hospital, which is now Lurie Children's whatever. And um, the first surgery was to remove those testes, and the sec which I was before I was the age of one. And the second surgery was a clitorectomy, which is um, what a lot of white feminists like to talk about in other countries. As general yeah. Female genital mutilation. They like to bring it down on these countries and and certain cultures and say, that's bad, you shouldn't do that. Let's do a campaign here right. against that. But they don't talk about the intersex general mutilation that happens in this, in this, in this country every day and abroad, everywhere. Um, so they, took rid of, they, took, they got rid of my clitoris when I was about four years old. And um, so I grew up with a nightmare of that surgery, but I didn't know it was real. The nightmare was that I woke up with gauze in between my legs and um, there was like blood in there, but I just thought it was a bad dream my whole life. And so I grew up going to these doctor's appointments, but I'm still just like a kid. I thought I survived cancer. I'm just a girl with cancer and I can't have kids. Did they tell your parents that you were cancer too? They told my parents that I could have got cancer if they didn't remove my internal test. Well, they didn't say testes. They said something else. They use a non, like a non, they say, they say gonads, mm -hmm. um, which is neither ovary. It's like what our tissue is before it's ovarian or testicular. All babies have this in the womb. They have gonads. Um, they said, your kids' gonads are going to, your kids going to die by the time they turn 16 if we don't do the surgery. So then they told them, but tell your kid, she did have cancer and we saved her life. So, yeah. So it's I grew like up with a lot of lies. <laughs> yeah. Like come up with that. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so, and I like, was a very religious person growing up. I grew up going to this church on the Northwest side called St. Nicholas and the Virgin Mary there, the icon cried as, um, during my, um, baptism. And so I always grew up with that story and then she cried again and I actually saw it when I was older. And I was like, man, like I was very connected to her, her weeping, her tears, her sadness. And then like this idea that I was born with cancer and that like the baptism happened right around that surgery. So I believed it all. And mm -hmm. I thought like, I believed in miracles at the time. I really thought like they saved my life and I was really indebted to these doctors. And um, uh, so then I hit 11 and this is like puberty age. I'm in fifth grade. We're, we're going through sex ed. And I realized um, I'm not going to puberty like the rest of the kids. And and I kind of knew that because I always knew I wouldn't have a period or kids because I was, quote unquote, born with cancer. And they mm -hmm. took out my ovaries. That was the whole story to explain that. And I started going to the doctor and they started giving me pills. They're like, take these pills. And the pills made my breast grow and like other feminine appearances come out. And also they're like, we're going to do a little surgery on you. And so those were horm hormone pills? Hormones, yeah, female yeah. hormones, estrogens. And um, that's what's made me go through puberty because they took out my organs, my testes, that would have let me go through puberty naturally. And um, they're like, oh, we're going to do this little surgery. And the surgery was a whole nightmare. I woke up from thinking I was having a bladder surgery, which is what they told me, 
to I found out when I was 18 looking at my medical records. They did a whole vaginoplasty, a whole nother thing with the clitoris. Um, I don't even know to this day what they did because the, there's so much medical language in it and people have tried to describe it to me, like translate it from the medical language to our language. But um, <laughs> it's still hard for me to wrap my head around that they actually did that to me. And they do this to intersex kids all the time. So like I said, that's the overlap is like those vaginoplasty is something that a trans person or anybody might want, mm -hmm. but it's something I never asked for and I was only 11. So I go through high school, blah, blah, go through college. And then I hit college and I'm sitting in a class, a feminism, no, a psychology of women class. And she starts talking about intersex people with my particular condition, which is AIS, androgen insensitivity syndrome. I actually have partial androgen insensitivity syndrome, which is more complicated. But um, I start, the bell starts ringing in my head. I'm like, that person on the slide that my teacher is talking about sounds like me, but I do not have XY chromosomes. I am a girl. Mm -hmm. I have a boyfriend. I am straight. And I am a woman. Like, this is not me, though. But I don't have a period like this person. I, you know, blah, blah, right. blah. A bunch of things sound similar to me. And I found out that week that I did, that was me. And I got my medical records from the, hosp from the hospital, which was across the street from my college. I ended up going to DePaul, which was across the street from Children's Memorial. Mm -hmm. And I got my medical records. And the first thing I read was male pseudohermaphrodite and um, 46XY, which is the chromosomes. And my world just kind of like sunk. And wow. I was like, holy shit, like, this is crazy. <laughs> and, and, and so what, if, if you remember, how, how was home life during? During, during this the, time? Yeah, or growing up or, or um, as, as you like had this revelation? Well, I wasn't at home. I was in college. I was okay. at DePaul, living at DePaul down the street. I mean, my family, we grew up off, off of Fullerton. So I was on the other end of Fullerton at DePaul, <laughs> and they were at the other end of Fullerton. It's a long ride on the side. It is. That's 74. It's horrible. Forever. Especially by DePaul. Yeah, it's like a lot of traffic. Yeah, oh, it's Armageddon oh, over there. God. By the Burger King and all that. Yeah. yeah Ar Armitage again, <laughs> would you say? Oh. What did he say? Ar Armitage again? What's Armitage again? He's doing a pun of Armitage. Oh, Armitage again. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. If it needs explanation. We're, we're off the rails Armitage here. is worse. Okay. So... You know, the thing is, is I don't know what is with me, but I grew up very angry. <laughs> I was mm. a very angry child. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah, because you guys mentioned my smile. Yeah, and yeah, I'm like, yeah. oh my God, I didn't know. I, I want to stop you right smile. there. How, how long, how long has, do you still identify as angry? Because uh, <laughs> I, I don't think I, I am. And it. this is actually something I want to bring up is that I have a memory of Daniel. I get in tiffs a lot. I get in little, little squabbles with usually straight cis men at bars. And straight white men usually. And I was at a bar recently after a show at the Metro. I like peeked my head in or something. And some guy and I were about to get into it. I don't remember about what. And Daniel kind of came and mediated. And then it just like calmed down. And then I remember that because I get in fights a lot. Because um, I'm an angry... I, I go from zero to 100 really quick. And... Uh, no Drake pun. Yeah. And, <laughs> I, um, I know, right? I, I, I saw I, your I eyes. It, I let it ride. I let it ride. I'm only but, uh, allowed one pun per episode, and yeah. I already used it, and I was really regretting that. To, just real quick to that point, yeah. I appreciate that. You had de-escalated it, oh, and did. you had left. Okay. You were on your way out, and I so I wasn't like, I'd say, I yeah, right. just wanted to clarify. I just remember that was very nice of you, because that. that's one of those memories that stuck with me. Mm. And um, I do still identify as angry. I'm very angry. I'm a very angry person, and I'm okay with that, because I feel like very bad things were done to me, and I think very bad things happen in the world every mm. day. And it's okay that I'm angry. I just have to be aware of it and figure out how to channel that the right way. Sometimes I don't, but a lot of times I do, and that's okay. Yeah, I want to stick on that because I mm -hmm. think uh, that's like exactly what I've... Righteous anger is like what I've been thinking about all day and then figuring out like... I don't know. I think like I was really happy today waking up the same feeling very similar to how you described to know that I was going to be able to come here and have this show, right? So like knowing that the work was here made me feel better. Mm -hmm. um, and I kept seeing today and yesterday a lot of folks who I admire a lot saying, you know, this will, you know, motivate me to double down and go back into the work harder and mm -hmm. all that stuff. And then also people saying the opposite, saying I need to step back. And both mm -hmm. reactions are valid. Mm -hmm. But I know for me, my impulse is always to like dive into the work and try to translate it there. Um, but I don't know if that, and this, I don't have like a big, I just have a question. I don't know if that's like the healthiest or most uh, like healing thing for me all the time, but I do know it's my first instinct. Does that ring true for y'all to like try to turn that anger and that pain into whether it's art or stuff, other kinds of work? I, I think what I relate um, 
to pigeon where where I am kind of feeling in the world right now is I feel responsible to a lot of people. Mm. Uh, and so it's both motivating and kind of heavy. So like when these things happen, it's like really um, sad and frustrating, but I, I, I feel um, somewhat like, oh, now, you know, people are looking for something to do. People are looking for, I don't know, some assurance or, or some, or a, a group to look towards. And I feel like uh, we are a part of like, those people um and so it makes me have to go like really deep internally and stop thinking about myself and stop thinking about my depression right and like mm -hmm. think about like i don't know we got to figure some shit out like the world is burning almost literally um and yeah yeah so 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 that's kind of for me and then kind of like what, what you were saying about like you thought about rick when when you heard about this instead mm -hmm. of thinking about yourself i kind of like super relate to that yeah like i couldn't sleep the other night when i first heard about I'm gonna say the name of Alton mm -hmm. Sterling. Um, and Rick was picking up his car. I had his car it was like midnight, and I was just like, I thought I'd be asleep, but then I couldn't sleep because I just started reading about all this stuff at like 10 p.m. And all I wanted to do was like, I was like, Are you up? Like, what are you doing? I wanted to like hug him, but also just be up. And like, I couldn't sleep that night. And um, yeah, uh, but I think there's that binary you were talking about, like either throw yourself in harder or like step away. And I think all of us probably actually just do something more in between mm -hmm. where we do both like all day and every day to kind of survive. Mm -hmm. And um, or we do just straight up pull away sometimes, which I think is totally valid. Yeah, but I, think, I hide a lot. Yeah. yeah, I definitely hide a lot. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Sometimes I, you know, sometimes I see people a lot and sometimes I don't. Yeah. Um, and that's either because I'm hiding or other people are hiding. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, but to, to what just Dame to what you said about like that feeling of responsibility and being like I can't deal with I, I can't go too far in right now to deal with what I'm feeling because all these people are looking to me I want to I want to looking to me no, but, but are looking crew, for yeah. something you know but I want to challenge you on that a little bit and just say one of the things you can show or lead as is being like I'm letting myself work through that stuff because you. I don't know, for me, I can't, it's all one and the same, right? Like going further inward, there's a difference between like distracting yourself and tuning out and going inward. Inward is like actually like, I think the opposite of tuning out, you know, it's oh, like, let me yeah. actually engage the same way. Like when you engage, in. right, to, to <laughs> what's happening in. inside yeah. me. And tuning in with what's going on in the world too. Yeah. And so I, I, I just want to like encourage, at least for me, that's very helpful is like, that's part of the work too. True. Um, yeah, and that's not pulling away. No, self-care is very important. Yeah, so for you, since what what does that look like? Oh my God, I don't know. Um, oh, I do know. Okay, <laughs> I'm actually writing an article right now for Everyday Feminism called 10 or something, some amount of number yet. I don't know yet. <laughs> a tips and low a cost list. and free <laughs> tips. Yeah, list. it's always a list on my website. Um, 10 free, free or low cost tips for being intersex and surviving or getting by. Mm. And one of those things I'm sharing is like, I do um, free yoga on YouTube. I mean, I just find a person on YouTube and I do yoga in my living room. And that's really helped me this year. Um, I uh, There's free therapy options sometimes, like through Howard Brown, which is a clinic here in mm -hmm. Chicago for LGBTQIA plus people. Um, they have a lot of free therapy. Chicago Women's Health Center has free therapy. Um, a lot of places have free therapy. And um, I think that's something I do. Um, not right now because my therapist actually left the profession recently and mm. told me he had, to, he had to step back. He literally was like, wow. I need to step back. Yeah. I'm so sorry. I'm leaving the whole city, the profession, everything. Yeah. But um, but that was real. I'm like, damn, that's real. So um, that, that's, a, that's the space that's been helpful for me. That's something that's therapy. been helpful for you. Yeah. It has. And it's been whole, super hard, too. Sometimes, like, after those free therapists end, they, sometimes you only get 10 sessions or something because of a grant that this place has. And on that ninth session, they'll be like, I just want to let you know, this is our ninth session. We will only have one more. I literally left. I got up and I just left and started crying and I walked away. I left the whole building and then I showed up on the 10th session. I'm like, okay, I'm coming for the last one because <laughs> I felt abandoned again. And it was yeah. just like, sometimes therapy could be great and sometimes it could be horrible. But um, but I think that's actually a great way helpful. to connect it to like all of what we're talking about, about all these different kinds of violence, right? Is like the same way that, you know, we've talked about like health centers and mental health centers getting closed across the city and schools being, is like, that's a direct result of that. That's the personal violence coupled with the institutional violence trying to like, like you're using that institutional space to try to work through some pain partly that comes from other right, hospital from institutions, institutional from violence. The medical industrial and complex. then they like pulled the rug out. They like right. pulled the rug out from under you right. again. Yeah. Right. So that's messed oh up. Oh my God. And it's like, I wouldn't, so, oh my God. They created the medical industrial complex 
let's just say the hospitals, um, created this issue in my body that I didn't have. I was mm, born with an right. intersex body that was non-binary in its sex and its chromosomes and its expression. That's natural. That's how people have been born since the beginning of time. That's why there's statues that are hermaphrodites. Maybe not, but it could be. But like intersex people have been around forever. There's books, there's books that intersex people have written. There's diaries from the 1500s, the 1600s, 1700s. It's in the Bible, as eunuchs. It's it's in every culture. It's it's in it goes back. It's a human thing. It's, it's a, a part of humanity. Human thing. <laughs> it's also, I think, in the cosmos. Like the cosmos is not a binary. There's not just like a dark sky and a bright sky. There's always the sun rising, which has a gradation of colors from dark to, to bright. You know what I'm saying? Ooh. Like, there Ooh. are no binaries Ooh. in the world. <laughs> and so... Go in, poet. I saw Def C yesterday, and someone was like, oh, this is Def C. And I was like, and I'm Pigeon, I got bars. And because everyone's like, Def C's got bars. And I'm like, actually, I got bars. <laughs> you got Rick Wilson in the studio and throwing some snaps. <laughs> but, um, but, um... But like so, so anyways, the, the medical industrial complex has created this condition in, in a generation in all intersex people, right? They go in, they take our organs out, they take our body parts off, they give us scar tissue, they they do these horrible things to us. And then I grow up. I'm not. I don't have health insurance. My family, we had um, what's it called, Medicaid. And then when I grew up, I didn't or something. And then. My grandma one day was like, I bought you health insurance for one year. And I was like 16. I tried to go to a doctor and they're like, oh, you're denied on everything for having a pre-existing condition. My pre-existing condition was only created because these doctors went mm, into me as a kid wow. and took out my shit. Wow. So then I needed these pills that I couldn't afford because they said it was a pre-existing condition. So I had to pay out of pocket. And one day these pills, which I could have been producing my hormones on my own, but I couldn't. One day these pills, I remember this was only two years ago. I was going to Howard Brown, which was giving me a, a nice discount. So it was like $27 a bottle because I didn't have insurance. And overnight, my pills were $260, the same pills, because wow. of something happened in the federal level where they changed the classification of these pills that had a little bit of testosterone in them. And they were like, oh, now blah, blah, blah. And so I couldn't get my hormones again, which doesn't just affect my sex, my sex drive or stuff like that. It also affects your bone density. So I already have osteopenia because of them taking out my organs. And then I wow. something with the hormones and especially estrogens play into your bone density and your bone strength. So I've had osteopenia for like 10 years now. And... um. Yeah, like you were saying, that's a perfect thing. And I'm like, that's why I'm saying, and um, this might, what I'm saying is like intersex people need um, justice. They need liberation. Mm -hmm. They need um, a cease to these surgeries that are non-consensual. And they need some type of reparation fund from these hospitals that have done the surgeries and are still doing the surgeries today. There's going to be five surgeries today that are done on intersex infants, clitorectomies on them on average. Wow. And they need to pull the money from these hospitals and say, here, kids and, and adults who are intersex who maybe can't afford therapy or can't afford your pills today or whatever, because we did this to you, here's the money pull from this fund. And I think that's so logical. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's like, like what you're saying is, is I think it's, it's really profound and I, I don't want to like get too philosophical on the fm airways what up 88.5 <laughs> this is erica radio whpk uh, but but <laughs> you know as i'm hearing what you're saying like what your personal narrative is is that like your body is like a microcosm of the bullshit that's like happening throughout the society Hell right yeah. and like your experience and your anger is like what pushes you um into being active and then what you just said was that like the 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 struggle or the problem that's been forced upon you was like created yeah. and man-made right and that's kind of like the same yeah, for the entire system <laughs> right? the entire structure right like we, even when we think about criminal justice right like nobody besides the police or the system has the ability to create a criminal right uh, their poverty is created through like capitalism and like the production of good like the production of goods and the hoarding of creates the, the scarcity of goods, of goods yeah, for, exactly. for people who need it and like necessities and so it's just really interesting and the invention so, of whiteness yeah, and the fragility of it right is 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 to destroy other people right like yeah. the idea of like we need to create this it's, ideal life is based on like destroying so it's much based other on myths life. and destruction yeah. and violence and they know that and, and that's maintaining why they power and maintaining power and that's why the police are here trying to maintain that power because it's so fragile. Whiteness is so fragile. And the same with the sex binary. It's so fragile. And the, mm -hmm. the sex binary just doesn't exist on its own. The sex binary exists and the gender binary exists to keep power right. in one group of people, which right. is traditionally white men, white, cis, Christian, able-bodied men, but men in general. And me, as an intersex infant, I think at least growing up, this is what I was thinking, um, 
I threatened that binary. I threatened mm -hmm. that doctor's perception of his masculinity and whatever. And they did these surgeries to kind of make me sure I fit back in that place, right. yeah. that rightful like, place you, to keep you that binary. You the position of, of what a woman and a man is, yeah. right? Which is like how so many goods and like power is distributed right. based off. Right. Right. So it seems like now you, well, let me ask you a question. Do you take joy in being that threat to that fragile Power structure. Your shirt says too cute to be binary. Yeah. So we're... are you? Th are you? <laughs> <laughs> there is that the warm the, the smile, warm and smile. Do I, I do? And uh, this is a little story. Um, there's a white man on my block who called me a cunt recently. Oh wow. Um, oh, FCC, what's up, y'all? Yeah. Oh. I don't know if that's on the list. I think that's like super on the list. I think that's like top three. You know, I, re I realize you can say bitch story. on the radio, but you can't say Zen, Zenix, right? Yeah. I'm like, how that's some sexism right there. Yeah. Like, it's interesting, right? Okay, anyways. So this guy called me this, that word, and the other day I was on my bike, and he didn't see me. I was riding up behind him, and I got real close, and I, I turned around and I looked him in the eye. He jumped a little, and I got joy out of that. I did. <laughs> I also got joy last night doing that on the bike lane and on Roosevelt going to Taste of Chicago to some white people. But anyways, um, do I get joy from doing it on the intersex perspective? I think just in general, because you're also you just, a member of you know this community of people fighting for all these different oh, forms of liberation. Yeah. You know? And that's the other thing. It's not just, just being my a living, anger. Being a breathing threat. Yeah. yeah, like your existence as that threat. Yeah. I guess. I want to feel more like a threat soon, which I think is going to happen on Intersex Awareness Day this year. On October 26th. But shout out October 26th. Shout out October 26th. Intersex <laughs> Awareness Day. Please hit me up if you're interested in collaborating. That early promotion. Yeah. No, honestly, like last year, I'm like, I haven't started in January. And now it's June and I haven't started. I'm like, okay, I was, I was July. I'm like, shit, I can start. <laughs> um, but I, I, uh, it's not just anger that pushes me forward. It's, um, it's this community in Chicago. Yeah. Every winter, I'm like, I'm moving to LA. I'm moving somewhere warm since I was like three. I'm like, I'm moving to California. <laughs> and every year I don't because I love the people here. And I would, because I'm prone to sadness, I would probably get so sad in another city without my community that I would just, I, would be, I just can't even imagine it. So the community here and what goes on in Chicago, which I think I saw um, Dimmerus, I think on Twitter recently say, is someone going to come up with a name for this amazing renaissance that's happening right now? Um, we have a term. We, what is we it? Came Did up you come with up with one? This week, uh, the radical, the Chicago radical renaissance. Okay, alliteration. Shout out <laughs> to Def C. You, you don't seem sold. <laughs> you don't seem sold on our term. Um, I don't know. Radicals kind of played out, yeah. but right, but like, I, and I think it's also has something to do. It has to like, I don't know. I don't know what the term should be, but I think there is something special in Chicago. And when I take a picture, say of an action, which I don't do very often. Shout out Sarah G for holding that down always. Um. I'm like, oh my God, this is special. Like, this is gonna be in 20 years. Like, I forgot what I was just at, and I was just like, oh, it was it was Jamila Woods right, right. <laughs> at um Double Door. Right, was it, it Double Door? Yeah. I was just like, were you guys there? Yeah, I was not. I, I was, was out of town. It was amazing. Okay, it was but... right. You felt this magicalness, and I was just like, this this documentation of this is not history. just it's not just all going on my Instagram. This is like, oh, this shit's gonna be history. Yeah, I mean, this is why we do this radio show, is yeah. exactly what you're right? describing. Right, and it was, it was called Heaven. The night was called Heaven, and it was about cultivating black joy, and it was about, it was just about creating beauty, and like, and her, and the music, and then the youth, and the people that came up before Jamila, and... I, <laughs> I, had to, I know this is radio, but there's a great picture from that oh, Sarah event G. that Sarah G took of Pigeon going crazy. <laughs> this is why I have that timeline notification thing on my Facebook, so I cannot approve all of her pictures of me because there's some like that where I look like a Muppet in the crowd. Like, ah! uh, but yeah, that's Chicago right now. Is I'm sorry, New York and LA, but and the Bay, but I'm sorry, but like Chicago is. Don't be sorry. It's magical. Yeah. It's Chicago. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. And to that point of community, I mean, I think it's, a, it's something I really actually wanted to ask you about because I think in like mainstream discourse around like gender and sexuality, there's kind of this myth of the like the queer community as this like singular thing, right? They do not like me right now. Right. So I want to talk, <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk a little bit like, you know, in the... Man, you're blowing up here. Man, I got, I'm got my cousin live with me. He uses my phone. So, like, <laughs> so all day, I'm just getting calls and FaceTime requests from like, speaking of community, there's like a community of like 12 to 19 year olds that are just on Facebook all day. And then they like Facebook chat and then they like FaceTime and then they, t my phone is ridiculous right now. Y'all have no idea. I got, he's like breaking up with girls on my phone. So I'm getting like, this. 
I'm getting like <laughs> crazy ass response in my inboxes. I'm like, this has nothing to do with you. <laughs> but I'm sorry, you were talking about no, you were talking about it. oppression. I, I got yeah. I love the idea that like like in the midst of like movement stuff, like your phone has never getting, blown yeah. up more. <laughs> getting FaceTime requests from like a 17 year old girl in Centralia, Illinois, or this something. Is, who knows? Like who this, knows? This really, is how they is. bring you down, by the yeah. way. This yeah. is yeah. Anyway, but to that point, like the like the myth of like a monolithic queer community in the city because right. the community that you're talking about being that restorative thing it, that gives you joy and keeps you together here is not that that is like you know why it's not rather than me saying it yeah so like it is in a way like um the lgbt community or the lgbtq community is where i first found a sense of home for who i am like my gender and all that and my sexual my sex and my sexuality and blah 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 but I don't have a traditional coming out story. I didn't feel queer growing up or gay. Um, I was attracted to boys and I was assigned female and um, whatever, whatever. And it wasn't until college that I started dating women and I started identifying as queers. It wasn't until college I heard the word feminism. It wasn't until college I heard the word queer as a good term, you know what I'm saying? So, um, but it is that community that also embraced me sort of. But then I've always thought about this, thinking about this today. It's also been the non like explicitly queer community in Chicago from people like from before Cumbia Sasso, we used to throw these parties called, I think the people's DJ collective, they were, they're still called, I think, but they had these parties in their yard in little village and there would be a piñata and we would be dancing in the yard. And I always, that's where I felt like I could dance for the first time, like openly and not um, like unabashedly. And that wasn't expressly explicitly a queer community. Right, that's not Boys Town. <laughs> right, that's not Boys No, I hate Boys Town. Yeah. Um, I hate Boys Town. I, no one has a good time in Boys Town um, anymore. Um, it's it's just not, that's not the life. That's not where I want to be. But, um, and then there's like so much organizing in Chicago that's against, say, police brutality or raising up young black women, say, Asada's daughters or BYP 100. That hasn't explicitly... Um, queer, uh, cent centered on a queer women of color, a queer black woman um, ethos. And that's amazing because then you get to, because as my friend Cypher says, he's an intersex trans man from Atlanta. He's from New York, but he lives in Atlanta. He said, um, we need to start talking about how the liberation struggle for black um, black liberation and intersex justice and intersex liberation is, is intermingled because the oppression and the violence by the state is is um, something we're fighting as intersex, uh, for, as black folks for him, but also this, the, the violence from the medical industrial complex is what intersex people are fighting. And he's black and intersex and trans, so he's got all that intersecting. And we need to start talking about that. And for me, it's very natural in Chicago to do that because the activist spaces here that aren't explicitly queer are still queer or queer embracing. Um, and more and more every day, thanks mm -hmm. to like trailblazers who are doing that work here in Chicago that I'm indebted to. So, that's why I love Chicago. I yeah. love Chicago. A little, little love letter there. Yeah. yeah. Some no, things I don't love, as we all know. Mm. <laughs> you yeah. can talk about it. You get to get yeah, a few minutes. We, 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 we don't love Rahm Emanuel. Yeah. We, we don't love 12. Right. We don't love the school, what they're doing to the schools, like gutting out the public, the public school system that I'm a product of. They don't, we don't love that stuff. We don't love the taste having less food. Like I couldn't even find the lemonade this year. Mm. The lemonade shaker people. They weren't there. Um, but you know that there's the people. Chicago's always been about the people. We're not like the prettiest city, the coolest city, whatever. But we've always had the best people, I think. Mm. Um, and that's showing, I think, in our music scene and our activism scene and just our people. It's yeah. a people scene. So, and I know some of your uh, some of your work takes you beyond the boundaries of the city, and you travel and you do talks and workshops and stuff like that and presentations. Um, are there like any consistent, you know, responses that are have that started as surprising have now like basically, yes. yeah. What what are you getting back? That not like, all doctors. I get that a lot, especially yeah. if like it's a kid of a doctor in the audience or whatever. He'll they'll come up <laughs> to me when, and they'll be like, "They're good doctors. They're right? good doctors out there." Or you know, your doctors didn't mean to harm you. That's the number one that I've heard mm -hmm. since day one. They didn't mean to hurt you. They were doing what's best for you. Um, no, I don't think a grown man cutting off a baby's clitoris is ever meant to not harm somebody. Like, where in the world is that a good thing? Mm -hmm. Um, unless someone wants that. Say it's a cultural thing and they want that. I'm all for that. Do what you need to do. But if it's a, on an infant that has no say in this, it's not part of my culture, et cetera, et cetera. No, don't touch me. Um, don't touch intersex people. Don't touch anybody. Um, so that's a response I get a lot. I even get it from doctors. Sometimes I'll be showing my film. Um, I have a documentary of 
about growing up intersex. And where can the people yeah, see we'll, that? We'll, yeah. they'll, they'll just, just shout out October twenty sixth, Intersex Awareness Day. I will be probably releasing it then to like mm. YouTube or whatever. But right now, I just show it at schools and okay. like um, functions because Where, it's still it a work in progress. It's called the Sun I Never Had. Mm. It's like experimental. It's, it's um, it's interesting. Oh, yeah, it's got yeah. all audio actually. It was made for the radio in my head, and then it translated with some pictures and video. But it's made to carry its own on the radio because I think it's like the most accessible form of media. Well, if you ever want to play it up here, you know, we'll give, we'll give you we'll give you a slot. I don't know. Okay, okay. We'll, we'll, talk, we we'll talk business. Let's we'll talk business. Um, so at the lighthouse, shout out our sponsor, thirteen seventy light lighthouse. Oh, the lighthouse. Oh, What's the 50, lighthouse? It's a restaurant, fifty third. Oh, yeah. The sponsor. Don't they sponsor yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, we we'll get you a meal. I so heard they got really good food. Yeah, if you are anywhere near Hyde Park and you go to Chipotle, you're lame. Oh, and I really like that place called um I'm gonna say the name of like B Gabs or something. It's oh, like a, I got a Ash uh, works there. I got a green smoothie there this morning. Yeah, on my way in. shout out to the community. Shout out to the community <laughs> in High Park. I love High Park. Um, I live in Pilsen, but second favorite is a tie between High Park and Rogers Park. If Miriam Cobb is listening, mm. um, she thinks Rogers Park is the best neighborhood in Chicago. <laughs> um, and it's all right. It's good. But to that to that hustle and that that travel, because I do think like. One of the things that I admire about you also is like you're figuring out all these different ways to, yeah, uh, yeah, to make a life in this work that's not this like career Thank based. Thank you for noticing that. It's hard, right? <laughs> um, and yes. a lot of it is learning like, as I go. Your merch we game is crazy. Your tea game is crazy, <laughs> and I see them everywhere. Also, really, um, yeah. So you sure it's not just my Twitter feed? It's like... mostly your Twitter feed. <laughs> But not just your Twitter feed. No, but to that point, like Rick how... Wilson's image on uh, what's yeah. it called? AV on Twitter. <laughs> but bringing both like the the hustle of it and also your, you know, we haven't really even talked about you as an so, artist. So it. here's the thing: I hate nonprofits and I hate that structure. Yeah. I didn't know that at first. Yeah. I was like, cool, they're a nonprofit. That sounds dope. Yeah. Outside of capitalism, yeah. yay. I worked for one. Oh my God. I got on all these pills from my psychiatrist for the first time in my life. I never slept. I was avoiding work. I hated the nonprofit structure. And I read this piece about um, the, the revolution will not be funded. And it was like, if the nonprofits were really going to destroy the problem that they were out to destroy, how would they exist? Because if their funding is based on that problem still existing, how would their salaries still come in? And I'm like, okay, there's some good people I know who actually do want stuff to end. They're not literally like trying to keep the problem afloat just right. to get their paycheck. But honestly, on some subconscious level, I think nonprofits do suffer a little bit from that paradox that like yeah. you only exist because of the problems that exist. Yeah. And I think on a deeper level, right, like that, that is true, yeah. but also like kind of inherently cynical, like, right, like it's how can so you try cynical. to get rid of poverty if your job is to fix, right, which is very much true. But to that point we make earlier of like a lot of the the problems that we are fixing are kind of created by the intended solutions. Yeah. Um, like the idea of a nonprofit was created out of like the neoliberal, like Nixon yes. Reagan thrust of like, oh, yes. we as a society will stop funding the things yes. that we need. And what you can do is if, you, if you're rich it. is that you can get donate charity, your money and get right? your tax write off. Right? And so the idea of that entity to take all of that charity, that is the excuse for our society, our, our state, right? Like yeah. not, giving us the services we need yeah. is inherently like toxic even if it's the best non-for-profit even if it's right there's some bomb well. thank yeah. you so much there's some good non-profits out there but like the other the, structure the other structure bro problem is is some of them dictate what you can do with that grant money mm -hmm. and then you spend a lot of your time writing um grant reports and then you have to stay in like if it's a governmental bond yeah, you're a running fund, around looking for funding you're running yeah, around yeah. you're waste, you're competing with others who could be getting the money so right, you're you're, you're fighting for scraps right. and crumbs then a lot of nonprofits like to highlight certain people and say look at this shining example right. that made it right and so then people start yeah yeah exactly and it's like okay well see it's not that bad if you want to this, yeah. this guy pulled himself up by his bootstraps or whatever and that's just not a good model to live by I don't think. Anyways, I wanted to get out of that world, and I didn't know how, so I went into ten thousand dollars of debt this year after I quit my job <laughs> with the nonprofit world. And um, I was like, "What can I do?" And I was like, "Oh my god, I give these talks, but I never sell anything. I've never sold anything." Yeah. So I was like, "Maybe I could make a print." I made a one print that says "Intersex is beautiful," and then it kind of spiraled out of that because I wanted to. I was so ashamed of being intersex. I was not going to tell anybody for the first two years after I found out. I was like, I'm not telling nobody. People would think we're hermaphrodites. They make fun of us on TV and movies and whatever. And like, we're monsters. We're monsters in the public eye. And I always, I just felt so ashamed. And, um, but then I started telling people and people still embraced me and loved me. And that gave me fuel. And then I was thinking like, there's so many movements out there that kind of flip the script and say, 
you know, like in Chicago, we see you are beautiful. That's a sticker everywhere. Yeah. But then there's trans is beautiful. There's black is beautiful. There's there's so many things that is beautiful now that we're trying to reclaim. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna try to do that with intersex. And then that kind of um, went into prints, like making these like little artistic prints. And then it became t-shirts. And now that like, yeah. And by the way, I wanna, um, I don't know if this is possible, but I wanna give away a t-shirt. I brought one. And if Ooh. I don't know how to do this, but yeah. somewhere yeah, on the look, Facebooks look, or something. Yeah, I yeah, think yeah. the way to do it, hit us. If you want one of these, what's which shirt? It's, is, um, it's the post-gender shirt? It's whatever they want. I have two post-gender or two cute to be binary. Um, and, you know, I can talk to them after about the size yeah. and their address. Here, so, say say a, a, a code word right now. Uh-huh. And if they tweet us, Facebook, any of anything Ergo oh, Radio, yeah. and they hit us, whatever you say the word is right now, we'll set it up to get it. So if you're listening live at 88.5 WHBK, or, on the podcast. or if you're on the podcast, ErgoRadio.com, SoundCloud, iTunes, we're we going we gonna to drop this code where... Oh, so the other thing that will... Man, you are a marketing genius. Look at this. All right, the code word is... We love us. We love us. Sorry, All right. No, no, that's cool. It's like right. echo. We, we, we love, love us. us. So the first first person to tweet Ergo Radio, we love us, or Facebook Ergo Radio, we love us. You're getting a free T-shirt. Oh, yeah. this is love. This, this is, is a beautiful yeah. thing. This you, is good radio. <laughs> you, took us, you took us to a. Whole I thought of that in the level. shower where I get all my thinking done. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> and if you don't win the shirt, you can go to my uh, social media and find out my Etsy store and get whatever you want. And we link to it on your Ergo Radio show. Oh page. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's on there. The Ergo Radio page got it too. Um. So one other addition, based off what we were just talking about on the nonprofit end, uh, to the Ergo reading list, and I've been talking about this book forever, there's only one copy of it in the Chicago Public Library system, and I had to return it. So it's available, I think. You can go get it. Uh, it's called The Revolution Will Not Be Funded inside oh, yeah. the uh, nonprofit industrial complex. It gives like all kinds of context and info for what we were just talking about. Yeah, we're gonna make we're gonna make a tab. Shout out to our associate producer who I might give him that job. Uh, this Chris station Cannon. is amazing. Yeah, I we're killing the game. Um, <laughs> as we get ready uh, to get out of here, um, first off, oh thank you God, so much. I know, right? No music. Crazy. We'll play. It we'll play it to go on out. Um, but first off, just thank you so much for being here. Yeah, much love. Yeah. To you and this was amazing, and I feel so much better than I did an hour ago. <laughs> I was excited. I wanted to learn a lot about you. And I feel Yay. like obviously we did that. So yes. I, I'm super excited. I'm glad to go get something to eat uh, at the lighthouse. Where can the people find you? Let's That's what I meant to ask. You, your writing, give all, all that give all the social medias and all okay. that. Okay. Like, it's hard because I don't have a consistent one, but Pigeon on Twitter, but it's twitter.com slash Pigeon, P-I-D-G-E-J-E-N. Okay. Because I was born as Jen, J-E-N, a Pigeon, oh. get it? <laughs> I did not know. Oh, uh, yeah. I didn't know either at first for the first few years. And then um, facebook.com slash Pigeon, P-I-D-G-E-O-N. And then you can find my writing. Oh, I got Instagram too. I think it's Pigeon is my name. Um, and then I'm on Everyday Feminism. You can find my writing there. Or I have a website. That would be easier. Pigeon is my dot N-A-M-E name. Pigeon is my name. That's um, so cool. Yeah, that's cool, right? Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. But it's really hard to explain to people. Um, <laughs> we're, so we're, thank you so much. I was I've always listened to Ergo and everyone woo! that's come on before. I was like, oh my God, I love everybody. And when you guys asked me last week, I was so I don't know. Thank you so honored. Much I'm so honored. Uh, Thank man. you so much. It's an honor to have you. So we're going to get out of here. <laughs> and we're going to hear Rick Wilson, right? We got Rick yeah, we Wilson. Got new, this is new music coming off the new EP that isn't even out yet, oh, y'all. Oh, it's called it. Soul got... Bounce. Soul Bounce. This is uh... Rick in the building. Shout out, Rick Wilson. Talk about Black Joy. What up? What up? There we go. <laughs> Thank you all so much for tuning in. We'll uh, be back next week with another strong young voice. Peace. Much love.
Left side, right side, everybody love. I see my bros getting locked in Chicago. 16 shots in Chicago. Can't even walk 16 blocks in Chicago. Food, that's a corn syrup. I'll be parched in Chicago. Fuck around and probably had to shoot back now. Nothing else will make a cop stop killing us. We gotta love us over all else. And stop expecting white folks to give a fuck. See, I've been thinking for a minute, no bullshit. I got the full clip, not the one you wanna fool with. About to build a nation in case the pigs wanna bullshit. Tryna spit that knowledge so my people win no bullshit. Preacher selling out, he telling lies in the pulpit. But I'm offering alternatives. Gotta put the work in. Feet to the fires like some furnaces. Do not shoot your brother, that shit purposeless. You feel me? Cause you was never really down for us. You ain't never give a shout to us. To make a smile for us. Only that aspirin and destroy for us. It's about time that we love ourselves. A divest your help. Cause you was never really down for us. You ain't never give a shout to us. To make a smile for us. Only that aspirin and destroy for us. It's about time that we love ourselves. So everybody say we love us. Everybody left side, right side, hey. We love Left side, right side, and that's the world turn. We know it's our turn to shine the shade they try to give. And that's the world turn. We know it's our turn to live the life we choose to live. And that's the world turn. We know it's our turn to shine the shade they try to give. And that's the world turn. We know it's our turn to live the life we choose to live. And that's the world turn. We know it's our turn to shine the shade they try to give. And that's the world turn. We know it's our turn to live the life we choose to live. And that's the world turn. We know it's our turn. The shine the shade they try to give And as the world turn We know it's our turn To live the life we choose to live Cause you was never really down for us You ain't never give a shout to us To make a smile for us Only the aspirin and destroy for us It's about time that we love ourselves And God bless your help Cause you was never really down for us You ain't never give a shout to us To make a smile for us Only the aspirin and destroy for us It's about time that we love ourselves So everybody say we Everybody left side, right side, hey! We love us! Left side, right side, everybody low!